For those of you who are just joining us, we've been through uh, seven weeks, I think this is the seventh week of our Bible and Race Sermon Series. And what we're doing is we're taking the main storyline of the Bible and we're looking at what does each section have to tell us about how God views different races of people. If you were here last week, you, you got to see the interview or if you listened online, you got to listen to the interview of some dear friends of mine, and I want to tell you thank you so much for being so welcoming to guests. They, before I could thank them in a text, um, Lee had sent a text to me just thanking uh, us for having him and his wife and just how much of a blessing it was for them. So thank you for being the people you are. Today we're going to look at the final section of the main storyline of the Bible, and it is titled Restoration. Remember, there's creation, there's fall, there's redemption, and then the last major section in that biblical storyline is restoration. And so let's just dive right in there, and here's what I want you to see first of all. It's this, Christ is the first fruits of a renewed creation. Christ is the first fruits of a renewed creation. The Bible explicitly you know, talks of Jesus as the first fruits. Now let's think about what are the first fruits? What are first fruits? Well, they're the first fruit of a harvest or the first you know, grain of, of the harvest. And also, uh, you know, they get those are it's the, the, the first thing that you pick. But then it's, it, the first fruits are also a sign that there's a greatest har greater harvest to come, right? And, and what, why Jesus is the first fruits and why the Bible speaks of him this way is because his resurrection, as significant as it was, is pointing to and guaranteeing that something greater is to come. And that is, God is going to do to individuals and the material world what he did to Jesus' body. He is going to re resurrect people. He's going to resurrect the world. He's going to bring renewal to it. He's going to renew, restore all things. That's why we sing at Christmas time, joy to the world, right? Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. In heaven and nature sing, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. Why? He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found. We know that the curse has impacted every square inch of God's beautiful world. Right? It's impacted every human heart. And it's impacted every aspect of the material world. Guess what? He's going to remove the curse as far as the curse is found. Um, in Revelation 21, you have the Apostle John. He gets a glimpse of this greater harvest that is to come, that Jesus' resurrection is the first fruits of. And, and, and it's the climax of history. It's the end of history as we know it. And this is what John saw in verses 2 through 5. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Um, I, just, I just performed a wedding last Saturday. I just got the glimpse of Noel 
standing before me and chase and how beautiful Noel was. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne says, I make everything new. Notice that the culmination of human history is not individual souls rising up, escaping this material world to go to heaven, to float around on clouds as disembodied spirits. No. The future, God's promised future, is heaven coming down and transforming people in the earth. Resurrecting people on the earth, renewing people on the earth, removing the curse from people and the earth. New heavens, new Jerusalem, not new from scratch new, but new in quality and kind. That's what the Greek word that's translated new in this passage means. Did God annihilate Christ's body and like create a new Christ from scratch? No. He resurrected the same body that was beaten, that was broken, that was mutilated for you and for me. And Jesus' resurrected body even had the scars to prove it. That is what God is going to do to those who trust in him as Lord and Savior. And what he is going to do to the material world. Now... And, and so I'll say this, the history of the world, because I think this is on the screen, will culminate with an absolutely rewoven, healed humanity and material world, and evil and those who continue to oppose God will be quarantined. This is a good quarantine. Quarantined forever in the lake of fire, never able to negatively impact God's wonderful world again. Second thing I want to point out to you, so the first thing was that Jesus is the first fruits, right, of God's new creation. Secondly, God's new creation is going to be a melting pot, the, like of, the likes of which we have never, I mean, we really haven't seen. Maybe New York City, maybe, is, is comparable, I don't know. But Revelation 21, 22 through 27 says this. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Did you hear what this passage has to say about the nations? The nations will walk by the light of the new Jerusalem. What's the light of the new Jerusalem? Excuse me. 
The, the passage says, the Lamb. Who's the Lamb? It's Jesus, right? Jesus is the light of the New Jerusalem and the nations. That means all different kinds and types and races of people will walk by um, the walk with the Lord and with the Son. Isaiah 60 speaks of this uh, promised future, this new world as well. And check this out, verses 9 and 10. It says, In the lead are the ships of Tarshish, bringing your children from afar with their silver and their gold to the honor of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for He has endowed you with splendor. And then Isaiah 60 says in verse 13, The glory of Lebanon will come to you, the juniper, the fir, and the cypress together, to adorn my sanctuary, and I will glorify the place for my feet. What's interesting here is that Isaiah mentions the ships of Tarshish and the trees of Lebanon. Now what's interesting is that the ships of Tarshish and the wood of Lebanon was used by people in prideful self-reliance. And they were used for war. But here we read in Isaiah 60 that these cultural products that were originally meant for the glory of man are going to be transformed and incorporated into God's new world uh, to his glory and to his praise. It's remarkable to think about. The, the new Jerusalem is going to be teeming with culture. It's going to be full of the best cultural products of the nations. The kings will be bringing their cultural products to uh, the new Jerusalem. The best of, you know, the architecture from the nations, the best of the art, the best of the, the knowledge, the best of the sciences, the best of technology, the best of foods and fashions, all will be brought in to the new Jerusalem. The new earth and the new Jerusalem is going to be this extreme melting pot. Ray Ortland Sr., he writes this in his commentary on Isaiah. He says this, Can you picture it? Here comes a string quartet from Vienna playing Mozart. Here comes a steel drum band from the Caribbean. Here comes a pipe band from Scotland in their kilts. Here comes a teenage garage band from the 1960s California and all the rest. No one is excluded except those who are too good for Christ and his church. And in case John's audience was starting to think that all people from all nations and all kings are going to be a part of God's new world, he says in verse 27 that only the kings and the people from the nations that have their names written in the Lamb's book of life will be a part of the renewed world. How does one have their name written in the Lamb's book of life? Jesus' book of life. By repenting of your disobedience to God, by believing that Jesus is the Son of God, that He lived, He died, and He rose again for you, and by receiving Him as your Lord and Savior. Repentance, believing, and receiving. That's how one's name becomes written in the Lamb's book of life. Revelation 22 goes on to talk about this tree. There's a tree in the middle of the New Jerusalem. It's called the Tree of Life. When was the last time we heard about the Tree of Life? 
way back, right? In the very first section of the storyline in creation in the Garden of Eden. Why is this tree of life there? Because God wants us to know that the new world is what Eden was supposed to become. It was that God's new world is paradise fulfilled. What Adam was supposed to do with the created world, he was supposed to work it, right? And we were supposed to work it so that it became this garden city and we, develop, we were supposed to develop all its rich potential for the glory of God. What Adam was supposed to do, it took Jesus to fulfill. And that's what we have. And, and did you hear what uh, Revelation 22 says about the tree of life? Its leaves are for what? The healing of the nations. Talk about reconciliation. Right? Now, just in case like we're not getting the message, Revelation that, that God's promised world is going to be such a multicultural, multilingual, multiracial place. Just in case it's not sinking in, Revelation 5 and 7 further cement this wonderful truth and reality. Revelation 5, 9 and 10 says, You are worthy. So you have an innumerable amount of, uh, innumerable amount of angels in heaven singing to Jesus this, You are worthy because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. I don't know if it can be any more clear. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God. And check this out. They will reign on earth. So you have here the angels singing and worshiping Jesus because he died for all races of people to rescue them from the grip of evil, sin, and death. What's more is he didn't just save these individuals. But he's going to set them up as the rulers over his new creation. They're going, so people of all different races are going to be ruling, reigning over the renewed earth. Revelation 7, 9 and 10 says, A great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. It's everywhere. It's just everywhere. And I also, last thing I want to note with you, and then we'll look at some application. Notice the unity amidst this great extreme diversity. So, not only will there be this melting pot, right? But this melting pot will be unified around the worship of King Jesus. And so, there will be no more crying or pain. The old order of things will be gone and, and done with. So, that means all the tears due to racism, will be wiped away. All the pain that racism has caused will, cause will be no more. All the death that racism has caused will be forever removed. Randy Alcorn, an author, he writes this about 
the, the unity amidst this extreme diversity in God's promised future. That has begun with Jesus' resurrection. He writes this, Peace on earth will be accomplished not by the abolition of our differences, but by a unifying loyalty to the king. Loyalty that transcends differences, and check this out, and is enriched by them. The kings and leaders of nations will be united because they share the king's righteousness. And they with him will rejoice in their differences as a tribute, I love this, as a tribute to his, God's, creativity and multifaceted character. So when we are in the new world, we're going to look around and we're going to see all these people so different from us in so many different ways. And we're going to look at all these different cultural products from all these different tribes and nations and kings from you know, the centuries that our world has existed. And as we look on those things, it's going to cause us to worship God all the more because of his creativity and because of his multifaceted character. What a, what a remarkable thought. Now, application. So what does this mean for us today, right? Well, a couple things. Uh, first, if... Um, you have been connected to Christ through repentance uh, and uh, belief. This should cause you just to have unspeakable joy in your hearts, knowing that as crazy as things are, this is the good end to which we are headed. Secondly, uh, if you are not a Christ follower, if you're not connected to Jesus through repentance and faith, the beauty of the world that is to come should prompt you to surrender your life to him. It should prompt you towards repentance, right? Belief and receiving Jesus as Lord. Thirdly, Jesus' resurrection promises God and guarantees God's promised future. We don't have to wonder if this is going to happen because Jesus' resurrection proves that new creation has begun. It is growing. The passage that Kevin read said we are new creations in Christ. We're already experiencing this new creation in part as the Spirit is resurrecting our attitude, resurrecting our Thoughts resurrecting our behaviors to conform to the image of Christ. All proof that these are down payments that God's future world that's here in parts will be one day here in full. Fourthly, Christ has called us to be his witnesses. And it's really what Jim is talking about. His ministers of reconciliation. What are we to witness to? And how do we do it? Well, we are to witness to the fact that Jesus is the true king of the world. Not Joe Biden, not President Trump, not King Young Un. None of these people are the true kings of the world. Jesus is the true king of the world. He is Lord. Caesar is not. We are to witness to that fact in their reality. We are also to call men and women and children to repentance. Right? In belief. What's more is, so that's like the witnessing we do with our words. 
We are also to be a witness, and we are to tell them about God's promised future. I'm sorry. Like, they need to hear this. This is so attractive and so wonderful. It's the world we always had hoped for. It is, it is like, you know, the best dream come true. We need to communicate this to people. And then our actions need to be a witness to this future reality. And so our lives need to be a foretaste, a preview, a signpost to the world that is to come. How do we do that? Well, for one, because in the new world, none of the things that divide us will exist. Actually, the diversity, as we said, it will be celebrated. So in the present now, to be a foretaste of God's promised future, we need to celebrate differences. We need to um, oppose racism, inequality, and social injustice wherever it rears its ugly head. Because God's promised future, it, there's not going to be any of that. And if we are partaking in the division the hatred, the racism that exists in our world. We, and we're calling ourselves Christians, we are a horrible advertisement for the world to come. We're a false advertisement. That's, and we are going contrary to, if we really are a Christian, we are acting con in, in contradiction to the new creation that we are. And so that's, I hope this encourages you. Um, it encourages me. Let me pray. And I challenge you to go forward this week as the new creation that you are. If you're in Christ, if you're not in Christ, I challenge you to surrender your life to Him. And uh, for you Christians, let's be uh, an accurate foretaste of the world that is to come, that Jesus' resurrection is the first fruits of. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that um, you win. You win. The victory is, is ultimately yours. And through being connected to you through faith, we get to share in your victory. Thank you, Jesus, for... Uh, coming to reconcile us to yourself and to one another. Lord, may we be faithful as advertisements for your future world. May we have the courage and the boldness to, to work against um, the ugly sin of racism wherever that curse is found. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.